studio. Talking about a show. The showrunner determines what stories are going to be told and how they're going to be told. Executive producer. They are responsible for all the creative decisions on the show. In TV, everyone answers to the showrunner, including the director. Okay, so in film, the director is the boss, and the writer is just the writer. But in TV, the showrunner is the boss, and the showrunner is a writer. Okay, you run so the if show. you want creative control, you go into TV if you're a writer. If you uh, want a creative control and you're a director, you go into film. Okay, so there's a lot of misconceptions, and uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go run through them. Uh, and hopefully, uh, if you have any questions, hopefully I can get to them if there's time. Okay. Many people are told that they need a showrunner attached to their script. They hear this all the time. Young writers or new writers hear this. Uh, agents or managers or producers or studio executives will tell you that. They say, we like your idea, but you need a showrunner attached. Mm. Okay. That is a brush off. They're just being polite to you. They're, they're not, they're, you know, they don't mean it. If they felt that's all you needed, <laughs> then they would package you with a showrunner. That's literally their job. They have no other job. A producer and a manager and agent has no other job in a studio. If they liked it enough, they would get you a showrunner. It's easy. And honestly, they would put out a call and they'd have one in 10 minutes. The only truth to that statement is that if a showrunner came to the studio with any idea, an idea, they would be more likely to, the studio would, would be more likely to, to jump on board. But it's not a slam dunk, understand? So what they're saying is they want a showrunner attached to your idea. What they, what they the, the part that they love is the showrunner. It's not your idea that they love. It's <laughs> if there's a showrunner attached to your idea, oh, they they want to talk, understand? So it's the showrunner that they that they're interested in, not the idea, okay? Uh, but to be clear, having a showrunner attached is hardly a slam dunk. It just makes it a little more likely that they might purchase the script. And it totally depends on the strength of the showrunner. Okay, I'm a showrunner. I've my partner and I have run three shows. Oh, and to be clear, we've run three shows. None of them we created. They were all created by somebody else who didn't have the skill to run the show or the, the experience to run the show, at least. And so uh, they hired us to do that. So we didn't create those shows. Um, now, when you go to pitch with a showrunner attached, it's it's only a slam dunk if it depends on the strength of the showrunner. I'm a showrunner, but I'm nowhere near as influential as Shonda Rhimes or Mike Schur or Chuck Lorre. Having me attached does not move the needle nearly as far. So when people tell me, hey, will you attach myself to your script? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, friend. Okay? <laughs> so one thing you should ask yourself as, a, as an aspiring writer or emerging writer, why would a showrunner attach themselves to your project? Is it because you have a great idea? Showrunners are professional writers. Don't you think they have ideas of their own? They don't need your idea. Why cut you in financially for your idea? They got a, I got a shoebox full of ideas. I don't need I don't need an idea from you. Okay. And here's this is this is the truth. I'm telling you all the truth so that you can learn how to get around. If I'm, I'm showing you what the obstacles are, so that you can get around them. Okay. Most emerging writers who want to attach themselves are are a headache. I'll tell you why. Because they fight over stuff. They argue over stuff that they love. They want to protect the stuff that they love. And who needs that headache? The showrunner is going to have to do 90% of the work. This is honest. And they're only going to get 10% of the money up front from the sale of the script. So if, let's say you and I attach ourselves to a project. You're, you're going to write it, but I'm the showrunner attached. I get 10%. You get 90%. But I do 90% of the work. That's just how it is because there's going to be a lot of rewriting. This is how it is, guys. 
showrunners really only get the real money if the show goes to series. Then they get then they get paid well, right? But that's a long shot with any project. So you may think you have a great idea, and maybe you do, right? But I've said this a thousand times: ideas are worthless. It's the execution of the idea that's worth something, and the showrunner is the one responsible for the executing of the idea. Okay, I'm going to tell you a quick anecdote, just to just to prove this. Okay, so a few years ago, my friends John Altschuler and Dave Krinsky they they ran King of the Hill for many years. <clears throat> they also wrote the movie um, Blades of Glory. They created Silicon Valley. So these guys, they work. They work a lot, right? They had a lot on their plate, and they had this project. Right? Somehow they sold it. I, I, I don't know. Kind of fell on their lap, and but they didn't want to write it because the money wasn't good enough. And they came to me, my partner, and they said, "Hey, uh, do you want to write it for us under our banner? Meaning we would get ninety percent of the money, and they would get ten percent of the money, right?" And I was like, "I don't know. It's not really that. The money's not that good, John." And he goes, "Yeah, I know. Why don't you, uh, if you want, you can farm it out to somebody else. Get a young writer." And you could oversee it, <laughs> right? And you get ten percent, and they would get ninety percent. I said, John, I don't want to do that because I'm going to wind up doing ninety percent of the work. And he laughed. He goes, I know. That's why we farm. That's why we want to farm it out to you because you guys would do ninety percent of the work, but we can trust you. We don't have to do all the rewriting. We were both laughing over the, the, the nonsense of how the business works. We wound up doing the project, and they were very happy with it. Because we wanted, it was like, yeah, it was a short time commitment. So it was like, okay, it wasn't about the money. Might as well just do it. And so, uh, and then it died. But anyway, uh, that's my point. They didn't want to farm it out to someone who was going to do 10% of the work and get 90% of the money. It's just how it is. That's just how the business works. Okay. So I want to be clear when you sell a script, um, is this helpful? I, I want to make sure everyone's getting understanding how this is this interesting. And is, I hope this is helpful. You can leave a comment, say yes or whatever in the comments. Make sure you're still alive. Um, okay. So uh, what, where was I going to say? So the studio, I want to be clear, isn't buying the pilot. When you sell a pilot script, they don't really want to buy the pilot script, okay? What they want to buy is 30 episodes, 50 episodes, 100 episodes, depending on their business model. That's how they make money, okay? Buying a script and shooting it loses money for them. They need something to get 30, 50, 100 episodes. And that's why a showrunner has the experience to make all those episodes. It's not just one episode. And a showrunner has proven that they can do that. And you, you have not proven that. Maybe you can, but you haven't proven it. You haven't done any of this, okay? And so that's why the showrunner is so important. So when you want to get a showrunner attached, um, okay, when you want to get a showrunner attached to your project, you have to bring something to the table that the showrunner does not have, okay? And there's a lot of things you can bring to the table, but an idea is not one of them. The showrunner has a shoebox full of ideas. You may bring, I'm gonna list some things. You may bring a built-in audience. You may have a huge following on social media, okay? You may have, you may be on-screen talent. You may be um, uh, a very successful comedian who like, you know, has got a huge following. My partner and I have built, developed several shows for comedians like that. You may, um, you may have a story that they cannot sell without you. That's valuable, okay? So get the notion out of your head that you're gonna sell a script to a showrunner or that a showrunner is going to help you sell it. There's nothing in it for them financially, right? That's not how it works. Your script, if you can get it into a showrunner's hands, is meant to impress them 
as a writer. So the script has to be very well written. And when you impress them, it's, it's impress them as a writer so that they hire you, okay? So that you help them make money, not the other way around. Everyone thinks a showrunner is going to help you make money. Showrunner doesn't give a crap about you making money. They want you to make them money. Just how world, that's how the world works. Everyone wants you to make them money. Mm-hmm. So the way you do that is by writing a killer script so that they hire you for one of their many projects. Okay. Okay. So to be clear on the attitude adjustment, currently most people are thinking, are thinking that you're currently asking something for them. You need to, but you need to give them something. A great writing sample fulfills that because they need highly competent writers working for them. They need it. Okay. Cause it's hard to write a show all by yourself. So when I'm hiring, that's, uh, you know, young staff writers, that's what I look for. Is this writer going to take work off my plate or are they going to make my job harder for me? That's all I care about. So when you send them your script, don't send them a Bible. Don't send them a budget. Don't send them a cast list. If you do, you're just wasting your time. You're sending a clear message that this is your first day in Hollywood. And I'm going to be honest, guys, showrunners don't want to get into business with people who don't have experience in Hollywood. Why is that? Just think it through for a second. Inexperienced people blow shit up without even knowing it because they're just brand new. They don't even realize what they're, that's just what happens. They fight for things that are not important because everything's precious. And showrunners, people with experience, I'm telling you, I talked to my, my colleagues, right? Showrunners are worried that your naivete and your inexperience is going to take them down with you. Uh-huh. I've seen it happen. Uh-huh. I've seen it happen firsthand where people will get into business with, with someone who's never done it before and they're naivete. Like, they, they just are, they fight for stuff. They say the wrong things to the executives. And I worked on a show where that happened. The show blew up. I couldn't because the naivete of one of the producers on the show. I'm like, this person is killing their own show. I cannot believe it. The show went down and whatever. I got another job after that, but they didn't. Uh, okay. So, if you have a ton of experience in the field, you, in any field, uh, let's say you're, uh, you build houses, why would you want to get into a partnership with someone who has no experience? You wouldn't get into a partnership with that person unless they had something that you don't have, unless they have a ton of money, unless they have land, right? But you wouldn't, or, you know, if not, you just hire them. So I hope this, I want to change your, your, uh, your mindset here. Okay. Now, <clears throat> So we got some good, we got a lot of good questions coming in, but I got more to say, but you can keep adding your questions and if I have time, we'll get to it. So when a showrunner show is given a green light, all right, they, in other words, they sold the pilot to the network. They wrote a pilot, the network loved the pilot and then and the pilot, the network shot the pilot and aired it or not, or tested it or whatever and decided, Hey, we like this. We're going to go to series back in the day, you know, whatever, you get a longer series, but now they might order eight episodes for a season or whatever. At that point, the showrunner is given, when they're given a green light, they get a budget to hire a writing staff. Hiring starts from the top down. So the showrunner will hire the most experienced and the most expensive writers first, meaning they start with the co-executive producer, and then they work down the ladder to supervising producer, producer, uh, co-producer, executive story editor, story editor, staff writer. That's the bottom level. That's the, that's the job that you want to get, staff writer. Okay. Now, 
So they hire, they hire from top down. And with the money left over, if there's any money left over in the budget, they'll hire one staff writer because the staff writer is cheap. <laughs> the most studios have a, a diversity program where they, they, uh, they, instead of the show, instead of the money for the staff coming out of the writing budget, uh, they get they, the the studio. They have this. They have their own separate budget, and so they'll say, "Okay, here's a diversity hire for the show, and you don't have to pay the show doesn't have to pay for it. That comes out of the studio budget." Now, uh, and these are for underrepresented groups. Now, you may agree or disagree with the fairness of this all. I'm just telling you that it exists. Okay. Maybe I could get a diversity hire as a woman. That, so the show will usually have, let's say, one diversity hire, depending on the size of the show. The needs of the show. If, but this diversity hire, <clears throat> if they don't pull their weight, they'll be replaced at the end of the season. Same as everybody, everybody else. Okay, this is how it goes. Now people, so now personally, when I'm putting together a writing staff, I would much prefer, and I don't get my way. You understand when I'm hiring a staff, the studio has a lot of say over who gets hired. Okay, but when I'm putting together a staff, personally. I would prefer to hire three very experienced writers as opposed to 10 inexperienced writers. And I'm telling you this so that you can, so that you know what to do. Okay. So that you can make yourself, give yourself a level of experience. Uh, the reason why I would prefer to have three experienced writers is to me, producing a show is a lot like climbing Mount Everest every week. There's a lot of pressure. It's a time crunch. And if you were climbing Mount Everest, which group, which team would you assemble? a team of three highly experienced climbers who've made multiple ascents to the top, who've done it before. And some of them have lost fingers to frostbite and they've lost friends who fell off the mountain. So to be careful not to make the same mistakes, or we do hire a team of 10 highly enthusiastic and energetic, fresh people with crazy ideas that may or may not work. And they're gung ho and they have a lot of energy <laughs> and the novices that they, they've never made it to the top. You may choose the novices because they're so excited and energetic. I would prefer the people who screwed up and, and uh, fewer. That's just my preference, okay? Personally, I think you'd be nuts to choose a novice. Uh, but this, and the studio is likely to agree with me, but not always. I've worked on shows where that was not always the case. So you just never know. So, but basically, you know, a show on the low end, a, a show, a TV show will have a million dollar budget. That's like a low budget show, although I've worked on much lower. So given that it costs a million dollars per episode, they're going to want people who know how to do this. Now, a staff writer, the lowest level, the one, the job you want to get, is high. Uh, is uh, is a writer, writer who's basically hired as a flyer. In other words, not much is expected from them. They are like a developmental project, like AAA baseball. You give someone a chance, and uh -huh. maybe they'll strike out, but maybe they'll blossom. You don't know, right? But you got to give somebody a chance. If it's a big enough writing staff and that person shows promise, maybe they'll be kept on for season two. That's the way it was with me. I was, when I first started out on Just Shoot Me, I showed promise, but I was not good. Okay, I was good enough, good enough. But if it's a small show, if it's a show with a real small budget and a small writing staff, and that person can't do the job, at the end of their contract, which might be whatever, 10 weeks, they'll be fired and replaced with someone else. And if you're that new writer who got fired, you're going to think that's not fair, but the new writer that replaces you will think it's perfectly fair. <laughs> understand? So staff writer is not a, it's not a, it's a job. Okay. It's not film school. It's not an internship. You're getting paid and you're probably getting paid very well. If it's a WGA show, you're probably getting at least 5,000 a week, right? Now it's not a lot of weeks, 
if it was a lot of if it was full time if it was a year round you'd be like hey this is great but it's not a lot of weeks but you're getting paid well for the time you're there okay so one of the things that I teach in my writing course which we'll get to a little bit and someone's got a chance someone here will get a chance to win it for free just by being here and by being good looking uh, what I teach you in my course is not just how to get a job but how to keep your job I don't teach you tips or tricks or hacks I teach you I share the knowledge that I have as a TV writer and this I, I share with you the skill that every showrunner is looking for so that you because getting a job is hard but and then getting fired after the first you know season that's heartbreaking it's hard enough to get it the first time and I see it happen all the time I see young or new or inexperienced writers I should say crap out they don't you know they, they crap out because they were not ready what a shame so just because you got the job doesn't mean you're ready so this is one of the i think the huge benefits of my course this is something i wish every i work with a lot of these snack writers and i just wish they would take my class my course you know what are you gonna do <laughs> what are you gonna do they don't um so there's a very high turnover rate for staff writers so this is one of the things i, I focus on okay let's let's dig in some more again most people, new writers, cannot do the job. For the first four seasons of the Just Shoot Me, I was good enough. I wasn't good. I was good enough. But as you rise through the ranks and get higher in rank, more is expected from you. And the bar goes up gets higher and higher, and there's just no place to hide. There really is. The, the staff of TV shows have gotten much smaller since I broke in. And so there's no, I used to, you know, when I broke in, I, I could hide. You can't hide anymore. You need to know this stuff. Okay. Because the budgets are smaller. Okay, so here I'm going to give you some concrete tips and, and some stuff that is really actually more upper level. I'll start with the, the low level stuff first, okay? What should a script look like when you give it to a showrunner? Okay, this is a script. This is a script I wrote for Marin. Many, okay, here's a script. These are called Brad's, okay? And it has, this, it has three holes, paper has three holes. You never, this is sounds stupid, but never put a Brad in the middle, in the middle hole. I know that sounds dumb, but if you put it in the middle hole, it says you're a rookie. You have never done this before. Only two brats. I can't tell you why. That's just how it is. Okay. Secondly, uh, you don't put scene numbers in your script. And by the way, these are low level tips. Uh, I'm going to give you up much upper level stuff in a minute. Okay. Scene. So when your scenes, uh, you don't want to turn in a production script. A production script has scene numbers and it tells you which, um, who the you know, where the characters are in each scene. There's a difference between a, a writer's draft and a production draft. You never want to give a production draft unless your script has been produced. If you give it a production draft, it just looks like you have no idea. And it hasn't been produced. It looks like you're trying to pull the wool over my eyes, which is saying, hey, you know, you're, you're basically saying, see, we shot it, but you didn't. So you want to give a writer's draft. Okay. Um, I would offer, if, you, if you're lucky enough to get a showrunner, or anybody, anybody, studio executive, agent, whoever, if you're lucky to get anybody in the business, uh, lucky enough to get them to read your script, ask them how they want it. Some may want a PDF, you know, uh, and some, like me, I would prefer to have them printed up because I don't like reading on my computer. I'd rather lie in bed with a script. I'd rather, and that way I can make, make notes in the margins. I prefer to print it. I, if you were asking someone, I'd say, hey, uh, how do you want the script? Now you're gonna say, well, I, they can print it up. No, no, no. If someone's going to be kind enough to read your script, you print it up and you mail it. You put it in the mail. Put it in their hands, however. <clears throat> Don't make them waste their paper. I'm just telling you the honest truth, right? Give, deliver the script however they want it. If they want a PDF, fine. If they want it 
uh, a printed copy, do that for them. Make it easy on them. Do not include a Bible. Don't include your Dreamcast. Don't include music cues in your script. People put music cues. It's like such a rookie mistake because they put music cues. Well, I'll get to there in a second. I'll get that. I made notes. Okay. It's, so if someone wants more, if they want episode two, or if they want to see your Bible, they'll ask for it. But your job is to make them, is to write something so incredible that they want to ask for it. It means the script has to be really well written, guys. There's no way around this. You're not going to fool anyone into into thinking you, you know, hiring you. Okay, it has to be, you, when you give them a script, it's a writing sample, and as such, it has to be very well written. There's no way around that. Everyone wants a way around that. There's no way around. Okay. Here's a question I got on social media a while ago. Someone said, I'm a graphic artist. Should I also design a fancy cover so that my script stands out? You know, and, and, my, and my cover will help them visualize my world, my world. No, the job you are applying for is writer, not graphic designer. If you want to apply for that job, then you can make a fancy cover. But the script, it should be boring as hell. The cover should be boring as hell because the good stuff is in here, okay? You're not gonna fool anybody into imagining what your world looks like. It's on the words. You're a writer, you work with words. You don't work with colors. You don't work with paint, okay? Words. Okay. Uh, when we are looking to hire a writer, we're looking to hire a great writer, okay? We're looking to hire a specialist, not a jack of all trades. If you want a graphic, if we, if for some reason on our show, we need a graphic designer, we'll hire a separate graphic designer. We don't want someone who can do everything. We want to hire a specialist, okay? You want to be a specialist. If you're a chocolatier, should you tape, tape a candy bar to your script? No, no, you're not going to fool us. Should you tape a $20 bill to the cover to be clever, to make your script stand out? If you do, I'll take your $20 bill. I'll, I'll take it, fine. But you're not going to fool me when millions of dollars are at stake. You're not going to bribe me with a $20 bill. There's too much money at stake, okay? Save your money. Don't put the $20 bill in the script. You're going to be judged by the words in the middle of here, these words. Okay, that's it. Um, won't it make your script stand out? Yes, it'll make you look desperate. It'll make it look like you are, have no confidence in your words. It'll make you, it'll stand out. The only way your script's gonna stand out if it's extremely well-written, because most are not. Most are simply, and I'm not saying most, I'm talking about 99% are not, okay? Anything, my, this is all my opinion, of course, but in my opinion, anything cute or clever is a red flag. Writers work with words, we don't work with pictures. It means you're not confident, okay? Writing is hard, which is why new writers want to do everyone else's job except for theirs. So a lot of writers will say, I'll direct on the page by adding music cues. And the reason is they're not confident that they can make the scene sad on their own with the writing. They're not confident, you know, they can, they can imbue emotion with their words. So in the description, they'll write, you know, Adele's someone like you plays in the background so that I imagine Adele's someone. So now I can imagine the sadness of this. No, that's not your job. Your job, if you can't do it with words, it's not your job to be the music uh, supervisor, okay? It's the writer. You have to be able to do this with words. Uh, a lot of actors, a lot of writers will say, oh, I'll be the actor as well. They'll explain how the actor should act in the scene. Let the actor do their job. Your job is to be the writer. And I'm telling you, I see this all the time. It's because writers are not confident that they can express how they feel in their words. We work with words. That's the only thing. Uh, okay, 
So I talked about the production graph. Again, I'm going to get higher level. Hopefully this is helpful. If it's helpful, type it in. If it's not, I guess you can leave, I guess. I don't know. I got more to say, though. Um, okay. Uh, and I don't know fast. That's a lot to say. So, uh, what are, oh, small things. You're going to not be any kind of discovery I'm sorry. In every one of the program now, the discoveries have red underlines. You know, when you type something wrong, in every program it's underlined in red. You have no excuse to have a misspelling or a typo. Read your script. It just it shows you're sloppy, okay? Whatever program you worked on has a spell check. Because you have no excuse now, okay? What about your margins? Look, every screenwriting program has, uh, and I recommend Final Draft. We all use that. As we know, I have a brand deal with them. But whatever, use whatever you have. Um, uh, if your margins are slightly off, it's not a big deal. No one cares. But if your margins are perfect, but your but your story sucks, who cares? You're not being you're not going to get hired. So don't. It's okay if your margins are a little weird, a little off. It doesn't have to be perfect. Okay. No one's hired because the margins are perfect. No one's not hired because the margins are slightly, you know, off by a fraction. Okay. So let me explain to you how the staffing process works. Uh, the show goes a series. Showrunner will hire a staff. We, I told you we, we hire from the top down, right? The agents uh, will get a stack of scripts, often from agents, studio executives. Uh, you know, they, they, they've gotten their scripts that they like. Okay? And um, so these people, the scripts that I get to read from this giant staff, are people who are good enough to make it for, past the first round. In other words, they were good enough to get repped, they were good enough to impress an agent, a manager, or a studio executive, and now, that person, the, the, the gatekeepers, right? That person is going to give showrunner a stack of scripts this high, and and uh, and we're, I'm I'm mainly talking about staff writers now, people at your level, people who want to break in. So I'll get a stack of fifty scripts this big. This is and this is uh, this is the gold part. Um, this is the part where you want to stick around for. I'll get a stack that's this thick, and um, I just start reading. Okay. First thing I do, uh, okay. The, these, this is the first thing I do when I get a script from a staff writer. I'm gonna, I'm gonna act it out for you. Oh, okay. And I turn to the last page. I literally turn to the last page, and I'll look at the page count. 32. Ugh. It should be 27 or 28. If it's long, it depends on what the format is. But if it's long, I'm like, ugh. It's extra pages. If it's a little short, oh, good, I can do this. I know it sounds stupid. Every writer feels the same exact way. It's like. How long is this? Is it if it's long? If it's a little too long, it says to me that the writer doesn't know how to edit. It says the writer doesn't know thinks everything's gold. You know, love is falling in love with everything. It should be a little short, or or, or it should be you know at length or a tiny bit shorter. Because if it's a little short, it's a, it's a big deal. Okay, I, I'm just I'm just trying to get a taste of whether you can write or not. I'm not. We're not going to shoot the thing, so I just want to know: Can you write? Okay. Um, and I can't air a long script. Remember that, guys. The network doesn't give you extra time to air a long script. It's a writing sample. I just want a taste of your talent. It's a taste. It's not a 10-course meal. So if I get a stack of 50 scripts and I can only hire one person, it's a competitive field, right? When I start reading, I'm looking for certain things by page 5, page 10 at the latest. If I don't see it by then, if I'm not seeing it by then, I will move on and pick up another script, Okay. You may think it's cruel because maybe you're going to say, well, my script doesn't get good until page, you know, 18. 
okay, well, I'm looking for a script that gets good on page one. Sorry. And you may think that's cruel, like, because I never got to, let's say I gave up on your script by page 11, and it was getting good on, on 12. Well, tough shit. I, you know, I, I, when, when you watch a TV show, you have a remote in your hand. No one's making you say, well, you know, hang on, it's going to get good in, in another five minutes. No, you'll change the channel. You're just as mean as I am. And I will find, out of the stack of 50 scripts, I will find one writer who, who gives me what I'm looking for. And, and that writer will be hired. And, and this is another, more to the truth here. Uh, I'm not alone. So I, I several times uh, when I'm, my partner and I have been staffing for shows, and I, you know, I got all these bunch of scripts, and I finally find one writer who gives me what I'm looking for. And I'm going to give you a list of all the things I'm looking for. Just hang on. If I find that they've given me all the things I'm looking for, and we bring them in for a meeting, bring them in for a meeting just to make sure they're not a drooling idiot, to make sure that you know we can, you know, they have they can function in a, in, in real life, right? It's, at that point, you make them an offer, and this has happened a number of times. We've had a good meeting with somebody, and then we tell, we reach out to the executive table or the agent, you know, whoever's producer, whoever's in charge. We say, um, okay, make an offer to this writer. On more than one occasion. They've come back and said uh, they already have multiple offers on other shows. That writer has multiple offers, and we we lost out on them because they, they took a better show or a higher paying show or whatever it is, right? So obviously, the things that I'm looking for as a showrunner, other showrunners are looking for the same exact things. So don't think I'm I'm not that special. We're all looking for the same things, and I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you a list of exactly what those things are. Okay, just hang on. Uh, okay. Uh, okay, made, I got to that part. So, what exactly are showrunners looking for? I'm going to give you a list, and I'm going to go into a little detail uh, after I give you the list. So, I'm looking for: Do the act breaks pop? Is there a story, or is there a bunch of connected anecdotes? That's no good. Does the story start soon enough? Is the writer telling a clear story? Are the characters fresh? Is the pipe clunky, or is it elegant? And I'm going to I'm going to break this down. Uh, is the day player, the day player is the guest star, is the guest star driving the action? Uh-oh. Does the story build to something? Does the ending feel earned? Do the emotional moments land? Does the writer know when to end a scene? So many writers have no idea when to end the scene, okay? They just keep writing. I'm like, oh my God. I know everyone here in this, you know, our group here, I know everyone thinks they know this. Everyone thinks they know this, but... I read tons of scripts from new writers, and I'm telling you this: 99% of you do not know that. Do not know this. All of you think you know this, but but I'm telling you, only 1% of you know this. And incredibly, 99% of you think you're in the top 1%. Uh, you know what can I tell you? I cover all of this in great detail in my course, okay? But I'm going to give you a taste of all of it. The course is 14 hours long. I couldn't possibly give you all of this in a one hour webinar. I'm going to give you a taste of it. If you want to learn more, you'll sign up. And if not, whatever, you've got plenty of knowledge here. I shared a lot of knowledge with you. So, okay. Okay. So let's talk about the first one. I'll, I'll cover, I'll get to as many as I can. Do your act breaks pop? Everything is three act structure. In TV, network television, at least you put a commercial in, right? But on streaming or feature, or on streaming, you don't put a commercial in. And if you're writing a feature movie, like everything I hear applies, even though I mainly do comedy, it applies to drama, it applies to features, hour longs, it applies to stage plays, novellas. It's just story, okay? It just doesn't matter where you air the story, whether it's a, the screen is 
this big or, or this big? Who cares? It's still a story, okay? So do your act breaks pop? When I teach you my course, <clears throat> you yes, you need act breaks. Uh, in everything you write, you need act breaks. No, do you have to write end of act one? No, but you better have those, you know, or end of act two? No, but your, your story still needs to be structured as an act uh, in acts on TV, you would write end of act one, but in a feature you wouldn't because there's no commercial breaks. doesn't matter. It's still better be three act structure. It doesn't matter. I don't care how many commercial breaks you put in there. Everything is three act structure. And that's your Shakespeare in which you're doing five, but none of you are Shakespeare. <laughs> okay. So when I say, does your first act break pop, uh, you need a great act break moment. I teach you how to do this in the course, but it has to, boom, it has to make me feel like, oh, that's a good act break, okay? <laughs> we divide scripts, like I'm saying, into, into thirds. It doesn't matter whether I'm writing a, a half-hour TV show, hour TV show, feature, every, it doesn't matter. Everything's in thirds. Now, acts, three acts, okay? But they're not equal thirds. Act two is generally the longest, and act three is generally the shortest because at act three, it's like you're racing to the barn. You're built to a climate. Let's get there already. Let's get there already. If you know what to look for, and I teach it in the course, but if you know what to look for, you can watch any movie or any TV show with a stopwatch, and you'll see this is almost how it always this is. It's almost always times out this way, where act two is the longest and act three is the shortest. And this applies to whether you're watching an art house movie, uh, a studio blockbuster, a comedy, drama. It's all, it all doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether you, whether you want to write a thriller, whatever. It's just that's how it times out. And again, I teach all this in detail in my course. Okay. Um, so your act break. When I say your act break pops, it means the reader asks a question, and the question is, "Wow, what's going to happen next?" That's the question your act break has to, that if it pops, that's what happens. Shouldn't the script be full of moments that make the reader say, wow, what's going to happen next? No, not really. You just need a handful of those moments and they have to be at the right places in the script. So if we end a non-act break scene, let's say we have, let's say we're writing a regular, a normal scene that's not an act break where the guy asks the girl out and he gets her phone number and then she says, okay, call me, right? And then he smile and then she smiles at him. That's a good ending for a scene, right? If they flirt and he goes, hey, and she goes, here, here's my number. That's a good ending for a scene, right? But it doesn't beg the question, wow, what's going to happen next? He's going to call. We know what's going to happen next. He's going to call her, right? Or he's not going to call her. But it, we know what's going to happen next. It's not a, That's not an act break moment. If I read your script and I get to the, and I get to the, what I feel like should be the bottom of act one, it doesn't pop. Or if I'm, or I'm reading it, if I'm reading, 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 and I'm like, and I can't find the act break. Like, in other words, you don't have to, not, in other words, it doesn't say end of act one, but let's, let's say your script doesn't have act breaks written to it. But if I'm reading and reading and reading and I'm halfway through the script, I'm like, is there an act break here? Like, if I, if I don't feel that moment, I toss it. I pick up script because that person doesn't know how to write. And then, so I'll find someone else's script. It sounds harsh, right? But only one of you gets a job. Sorry. That's just how it is. So, and I, and I teach all this in the course. I know I'm going fast. This is a lot to cover and we don't have a lot of time. So another thing uh, I, I look for is, does the story start soon enough? I do a whole webinar on what this means. But the story is, when I say start soon enough, it means when the audience can identify the hero, the obstacle, and the goal. And the note you'll always get from any studio executive, doesn't matter who you're working for, 
they will always tell you this. Can you start the story sooner? You get, so if you don't know what that means, come keep coming to my webinars or take my class. I, I don't have to tell you. But if, I, if I'm reading your script and the story does not start soon enough, I toss it because someone will know how to do this. Okay. Uh, and, and, and by this, I mean, you know, sometimes when you're watching, by the way, is this helpful? This better be helpful. Type it's helpful or something in the comments. So I, I'm not, say yes. Okay. Say yes, it's helpful. I need some feedback because honestly, I'm just talking to myself in my garage here. It's a little weird. <laughs> okay. So um, what I mean by starting the story soon enough, you know, this feeling when you sometimes you're watching a movie or a TV show and you say you, you, you're, you're watching with a friend or whatever and you say, I don't know, I just can't get into this. I can't get into this, right? It's as if it's not your fault. It's not your fault you can't get into it. It's the writer's fault. It's because the writer hasn't identified the hero, the obstacle, and the goal. And so you're getting bored out of your mind and you're picking up a clicker and you're about to turn the channel. When I'm reading your script, I'm no different. I have a, a clicker in my hand, a remote in my hand. It's called another script. Okay. So, okay, a lot of helpfuls here. Good. Um, uh, and I, again, I teach you all this, okay, in the class. Take the class. The next thing I'm looking for is the writer telling a clear story. When you ask the writer, this is something you can all do right now. When you oh. ask the writer what your story is about and they say, oh, my story, my movie, my show or whatever, it's about this, but it's also about this, but it's also about, and then also is it, it's like, whoa, it's, okay, you don't, you don't have a story. You don't even know what your story is. You should be able to tell me what your story is in one sentence. And it's not about everything. It's only about one thing. And if you have an idea, if, if it's also about this, that's episode two. Oh. understand you're only telling one story at a time and again I, I know i'm going fast but i teach this and i'm running out of time okay what can i tell you it's not we don't have forever um so in other words your movie or whatever your show is about unconditional love okay that's that could, could be about that or your show is about how revenge destroys from within it's not both it's not about unconditional love and how revenge destroys from within it's one you choose one okay if you have a second idea that's either your sequel that's your next episode that goes to the next thing you're telling one story at a time and i'm telling you 99 percent of new writers don't understand that either next thing uh i'm looking for is the guest star driving the action often in a, in a spec script or a sample script that's that's bad writing I see this happen all the time where the guest character is the most interesting character. What are the regulars on the show going to say to that? The people, the stars of your show, how are they going to react to that? Why is the day player, the guest star getting all the good stuff? And I'm not, you're going to, you're going to, your ass is going to be fired. That's what's going to happen. So it's a very common mistake. One of the things I, I tricks that I do uh, that I like on, on final draft uh, is at the end, they have a character report where you can print up the report. And you can say, this is what I'm working on a you know, show. Uh, you can say um, how many lines each character gets. And the stars better have the most lines. And the guest stars, the day players, better have the least. And if it's the other way around, you're looking for a job. Because they, because the studio doesn't, why are they paying the guest star? Uh, why are they paying the stars if the stars are, are, are sitting in their trailers? And the people at home who watch the shows, they're watching for their favorite stars. They're not watching for the guest star. Okay. Very common mistake where I see emerging writers write good scripts, but the guest star is the one driving the action. And that's not good. Okay. Uh, okay. Are the characters fresh? 
this should be obvious. Have we seen this character before? Does he or she feel two-dimensional or complex? Do they have contradictions? And the, do the contradictions make sense or do they feel like a, a writer wrote them? A script should never feel like it's written by a writer. It should feel like it's just on the screen, right? You don't want to call attention to yourself. Is the dialogue fresh? I got a whole set, I got a whole module on this. Are there clams? I talk about what clams are in my course, but clams are cliches, lines that you see, uh, jokes that are floating around social media or just the zeitgeist and they're not yours. Did I say that out loud? Said no one ever. Asking for a friend. These are all clams. You see this on social media. If I see one of the, if I see a clam in your script, goodbye. Because why? A comedy writer, or even, or even a drama writer. As writers, we are paid to find new ways to say old things. New ways. We're not being paid to say the same old crap that's already out there. We have to be a step better than that. Okay. If I see one clam in your script, goodbye, goodbye. You know, I'm not paying you for that. Does a story build to something? I know I'm going fast here, but we got a lot to say. A story is a journey, okay? So in other words, what's the view at the end? Why did you take me, why did you sit me in front of this script for a half hour or whatever it is? Or why did I go to this movie? If I don't have a, if, if, I, if there isn't a view of something spectacular, what did we build to? What's the story about? What's the, what am I learning here, right? Often it's the, we're building to something that's action-packed, a big fight, a big game. Sometimes it's a public declaration in a romantic comedy. It's someone, sometimes it's chasing the, the girl to the airport to say, I love you. We see that a lot. What are we building to? Uh, are we building to someone standing up to their abusive husband? Thelma and Louise, what are we building to? It's a fall, we're building to a car, tree, a, a, a car chase when the cops are chasing them. We're building to it. We're building them driving off the cliff. Everything you do is we're building to something even small indie movies this is everything guys doesn't matter whether you want to write a blockbuster or why you want to make an art house film rushmore rushmore that one of my favorite movies a great indie film right we built to something we built to very original very small and quirky we built to the big show when he puts on the big show before the audience i have a lot of case studies in the course by the way where i talk hey look here's an oscar-winning movie here's a crappy big budget budget movie that studios put out. I don't care what you write. It's all, they're all very similar. They're all very similar. It's just in terms of uh, the details are a little different, but the structure is the same. Okay. What are we building to? You better build to something. You better take me to something. Take me to a place. Okay. Does the ending feel earned? Ugh, often it doesn't. Uh, when a wimp, if you have a story where the wimp punches out the bully, that will not feel earned if he hasn't been wimpy enough. Uh, the whole episode of the whole show, or it doesn't feel earned if the bully doesn't deserve it. It has to feel fulfilling. Moments have to feel earned. And I know I'm going through this fast. I'm sorry. Take the class. I, I, I go into much more detail. What can I tell you? I got, I got a lot to say. It's a Saturday morning. Okay. Story structure. Oh yeah. Yeah. Story structure. A lot of people think I don't want my, I don't want my script to feel formulaic. Sorry. Story structure is not formulaic. It's not a formula. If there's, okay, story structure is the frame of the house that we're building. After we frame the house out and the walls are sturdy and it's not going to blow over in the wind, then you get to decide what color you want to paint the walls, what kind of furniture, what kind of curtains you want to hang. You get to decide all the decorations. But if the structure is not solid, all of it falls down. No one's going to care. You don't want to live in that house. So story structure is really uh, is one of the bulk 
parts of the course. The, the course focuses on dialogue, character development, and story structure. And story structure, that's the gold, okay? It's all gold. But um, so story structure is like, okay, what how do I make a how do I make how do I build acts? How do I build to first act? What does that first act break do? What does the second act break do? What does the middle of act two have to do? What does the top of three have to do? This is all what I teach in the course. And again, it doesn't matter whether you're writing drama, comedy, features, TV, novels, whatever. It's just story, okay? Good. We're right, well, almost got it down to top, uh, to time. Okay. So I can't stress the enough, guys. You have to learn this. I don't care. Well, you can either learn it from me or you can learn it from somebody else, but it, you need to learn it. And you're not going to get hired unless you know it. Um, uh, I would say if you want to take a class, I know my class is not, is not cheap, but if you want to learn, I always feel that I, I, you know, when I first learned how to do this, I wanted to learn from a working writer. I didn't want to learn from a professional, uh, professional teacher. I wanted to learn from someone who had a job. So that's why that's what the course is. Uh, but if you don't want to learn from me, learn from somebody else, fine, but you need to know it and you have to be hundred percent confident that they know it, that your teacher knows it. And I wouldn't take that for granted. So one of the things I always recommend, whether you want to take my class or someone else's ask to read the teacher's work. Hey, do, I, do you have a script I can read? I'd love to read it. And if you like it, then you should learn from them. If you don't like it, then don't take from them. Don't learn from them. Or if they don't have something, or if they're not willing to share it with you, don't. Okay? Um, that's all I got to say about that. Uh, why would you want to learn from someone whose work you don't like? And the same goes to me, right? If you don't like my work, why would you want to learn from me? Like, you know, you got, and so how do you know whether you Who's like their work? Head. That's like my the last thing and I'll answer some questions. How do you know if you like their work? You get their script and you read it. And when you get to the bottom of page one, ask, it doesn't matter whether it's a thriller, a comedy, drama, it doesn't matter. When you get to the bottom of page one, if you want to turn the page, you like their work. If you don't want to turn the page, you don't. It's as simple as that. It's good. If you want to turn the page, it's good. If you don't want to turn the page, it's not good. And that's how I assess that. We're running out of time. Ooh, that would, we had a lot to go through. Uh, we'll answer a couple questions. And Phil has joined me. Phil, what do you have to say? Hey, everybody, I'm back. I apologize. I got a, I'm sick. My family's sick. So if, I, if you can't hear me, I'll try to speak up. But I do apologize for that. Um, we got some good stuff, Michael. Um, again, really great stuff in this webinar. I know I, I took notes. I learned a ton while you were talking. So I hope everyone else did. And Look, I can see your actual notes, and I know you didn't really get through everything here. Right? You got yeah. so much more packed. And <laughs> yeah, I had more notes than I couldn't get to because I had two full pages of bullet points we didn't get through today. Um, but that stuff's all in the course, and so that's what's cool about this. A lot of people in the course here today, a lot of them saying some pretty awesome things, just kind of reiterating things we already know. Um, excellent said, for anyone who's serious about approving your script, check out the book, Script Reader's Cheat Sheet. It explains what readers look for and how to improve their craft. And then down below, Lori uh, John Caravala says, Michael's course is amazing. When you take the class, you also become part of the Jam and Facebook community. We do table reads and give each other notes twice a month, writer sprints, weeknight, weekday night, Wednesday nights, and mock writer's rooms. Christina in MJ's course, Michael Jam's course, we learn to break a structure, a story well before writing those bits and pieces of scripts glued together that we won't have to cling anymore to make them fit. It's how to build an order. Um, Richard Monroy says, I'm taking the course. It's very helpful. Uh, VV overall, it's worth it. And story structure is very detailed in your course. Rob Christiansen, my understanding of story has already improved. And I only signed up for the course a couple of weeks ago. Okay. And, um, and our screen is, I apologize if I mess that up, agreed the course is changing the way I see um, 
all of my stories. So really good stuff. Lots of amazing testimonials in here from people who are in the course. Um, and I, we're going to give away the course. So Michael, we're going to probably tell people what's in the course and what they get. That's yeah. it. We'll some questions after. It's going to take me some time to pick a winner. But this is the point where we are going to pick a winner. So if you're currently watching this, just go ahead and hover over your video and hit live. Tap that button because that's going to make sure that you're up to speed with where we are. Do that, and then we will. Um, we're going to give you a keyword, a specific word. I want you to type in the chat, and we'll draw a name. And that's at random. It's not pre-selected. Multiple entries do not help you. So, what we're going to do is we're going to give you a keyword, and that keyword today is structure. So, type structure in the chat. I'll randomly pick someone to win. Michael, I don't know if you want to talk about the course a little bit. Uh, and I apologize, I was just trying to get sped up. So if I uh, sped through those testimonials a bit too much, you want to talk about those again. Uh, yeah. I'm doing this piece. So, yeah, so basically, um, you know, one person is going to win a course at random. You're going to enter here. And everyone else, if you want to purchase it, you'll get a special price that will be available only for the weekend. And then we shut things down. Uh, uh, so, yeah, so everyone will get a special offer. And also everyone gets a download. Should have got, you know, you get we're giving away stuff, but okay. So the course is, I said, I think I said 14 hours. I'm sure it's longer though now because we're always adding modules in the back. So I think we say 14, but I'm telling you it's longer. It's learn at your own pace. It's online. I recommend each module is around a half hour. I recommend people watch one module a day, half hour. And then by the end, when you're done, you'll have built out a habit of like, okay, now I have a half hour every day where I'm used to watching Michael talk and, and now I can start writing and at about halfway through, to be honest, <clears throat> you could probably start writing. The other half are case studies, which I think are really important because then I point out, see, look, see this great movie. It has the same exact structure as this crappy sitcom I wrote for. It's the same thing. Uh, and it doesn't matter whether it's, you know, uh, uh, Oscar winner or indie or whatever the structure is structure. It doesn't matter whether you want to write drama or comedy or whatever. It's all story is story. And so uh, there's that. But like I said, I would about halfway through, you could probably start writing on your own, but I recommend going all the way through and really watch those case studies. And while I read your work, no, because I'm a working writer, it doesn't come with that. But you will hear me yelling at you in your head about what your act break should be. You'll hear my hear my voice because it's a lot of repetition. You'll you'll I'll beat it into you. I can be like I'm sitting next to you. And it comes with a notes checklist where when you finish your piece, you'll be, hey, these are the five, whatever, five or ten questions you need to ask yourself and be honest with. And those are better, I think, than those are just as valuable as, as giving your script to a friend who doesn't know what to look for. A lot of times you get notes from people and they'll say, you know what you should do? You should do this. And like, that's not a helpful note. That's my note. That's a note that will just drive you crazy. I'll give you the notes that are helpful, um, that are valid, I feel. That, that, uh, okay, so it's learn at your own pace. It's online. You get lifetime access, but it also comes with part of the great thing of the course. And this is just kind of we lucked into. Uh, we created a private Facebook group just for the course members, and and a lot of people try to get in, you know, without buying the course. I'm not doing that. They ask me to get it. No, you're only getting it for the class if you take the course. And there's a reason because I'm not turning it into a cesspool. There are other Facebook groups screenwriting groups with 50,000 members where people are mean to each other. They're awful. Now, if you're in this class, 
it's a high it's a high caliber of student who are serious. They're very collaborative. They're very I, I feel they're very kind, but I also feel uh, uh, it, it's like it's very it's I don't know it's like a community, right? So they recently and I don't organize this. They recently had a um a, a screenwriting contest, you know, where they you know they entered and they kind of judged each other's work and they give feedback. They have table reads once a week where they one person will read their script and and the others kind of pitch in. But they all they're all speaking the language that I speak, which is, you know, you you know, so they're giving the notes after having gone through the course. So it's not like it's just like random thoughts. It's hopefully these are educated thoughts, right? So that's part of the real great uh, value, I think, of of the uh, of the group as well. This private Facebook group. Oh, Trina says the case studies are great. Yeah, because um, and I'm always looking for you know, hey, this is interesting to talk about. Uh, yeah, I even watched another movie. I watched a great movie the other day. What was it called? Saltburn. Kind of a, in a long. It was a little long and it was a little arty, right? And I'm like, I, I, it, it still broke broke down into the three act structure that I talk about. Like, oh, I can tell you what the second act break is going to be. It, you know, and I enjoyed it thoroughly. It was a really well written movie and brilliantly acted. Okay, um, is there any other questions that I can answer before Phil chooses a winner? Phil, did I leave anything out? Am I going to discount forty percent off if they don't win? Yeah, so if you don't win today, um, we give away the we kind of offer everybody a forty percent discount for being on the webinar. And that is the same price that you do for Black Friday. It's the lowest price of the year. And it's the only time we really give it out is during these webinars as a thank you. So and even if you don't win, we also have a free PDF for everyone. Do you have your notes book, your uh, notebook there? Yeah. So this is based off of a notebook Michael has. Michael, you want to tell him what that is? So when I first broke into writing, see how writing my, my composition book it's for writing. So when I first got onto TV, you know, or even before, I just kept a note of uh, everything I learned from. This is my this is my private collection of notes, things that I've learned from writers before me, better writers that I learned from. So everything I'm teaching here, I didn't learn from film school. I didn't go to film school. I learned this on the job from other writers. And so these are just the notes that I've kept over kept over my 27 year career from being at the feet of more experienced writers and everything I've learned. This is this is the basis of the course, this notebook. So you're not going to find it anywhere else. So, so we took that concept and then as a, we created a free PDF that other people who are attending today have received. Um, and I'd love to know if they like it. So if you like it, say yes. Um, but it's the ultimate guide to insider term, writer terminology and it basically or screenwriting terms. And it basically breaks down a lot of things that people talk about that people don't know. And it, it's based off that notebook, which is pretty cool. Um, but we do have a winner, Michael. I think we're ready to announce that if you are. Let's do it. And the winner is Jeff Marilla or Mario. Sorry if I messed up your name, Jeff. Jeff, you can contact us at uh, support at michaeljammin.com. We'll just verify it to you and then we'll get you access to the course. We can do that as early as today. Congratulations, Jeff. Uh, and the notebook itself that we're going to hand out is free to everybody. We're going to give that away. So hold on and we'll give you that link. I'm going to put a, a URL up right now. The coupon is active. There's no need to type in a coupon to get your 40% discount on the course. If everyone else, anyone else who's interested, you can get your 40% discount right here in the link I'm putting in the chat. Congratulations in, to the winner. Um, some people, someone wanted to know, uh, and then I'll, we'll log off, we'll let everybody go, you know, go purchase or whatever. Um, do I give a diploma? No, and I don't believe in diplomas because 
the degree is worthless. The knowledge is worth something. Just by saying, hey, I took Michael Chapman's course. So good. can you write the script? I don't know how good. I don't listen. Just because you went to the course, I still don't know how well you're going to execute what I teach you. I don't know how hard you're going to try. I don't know how I don't know your talent level. I just know it'll help you immensely. It'll make you a better writer. I don't, but I don't know what level you're starting out, and I don't know how serious. So I, I, I don't. Again, you can have a degree from USC in film. So I've re- I know plenty of people who have degrees who cannot write, and they have an MFA in screenwriting. So the degree is worthless. The knowledge is worth something, you know. So I, I don't know, and I, you know, I, 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 that's why I don't give out diplomas. Got it. A couple. Of you're not going to impress me with a diploma from Michael Shannon's course. Can you write a script? I wanted to give a certificate at the end and say, congrats, here's a worthless certificate. Now go write something great. And yeah. Michael, yeah, it's, what's the point? Um, a couple of notes for people because they're asking, there are payment plans. There's no interest for those. So you can pay in full through over three months or six months. So if you want to, if you want to sign up for the course, you can do that without any additional costs. Um, again, the link is pinned in the top and then we will go ahead and drop the link for the free PDF and anybody who wants to attend that, uh, wants to download that, you can. Um, Michael, did you want to spend any time on any questions? I know we're prepping for a VIP Q&A for some of the- Yeah, questions. that's another thing. If, if anyone's interested, we're after in about 15 minutes, we're doing another uh, uh, VIP room, but that's for purchase. You have to purchase tickets. Phil can teach you how to get tickets for that if you, if you want to join. If not, go get the course. And if you're still not ready, okay, fine. You know, maybe you'll be ready in a month or two. That's okay. No pressure. You can continue following me. I will continue to do free webinars. But the gold in the web—I mean, the webinars are very helpful. But the real gold is, is in the course. So it's totally up to you. No pressure. If you're not ready, maybe you'll be in the future or, or whatever. Whatever your—I don't know where your journey is, but I wish you well. Okay. So there's two links there. There's a link to, to purchase the VIP Q and A, which will be starting in about 13 minutes in a private Zoom. And then there's also a link there for the free PDF that we talked about. That's the insider terminology guide uh, for anybody asking questions today that we haven't gotten to. Obviously, you can join the, the private Q&A to get those answered directly from Michael as you turn your camera on you chat with him. But aside from that, we tend to keep those. And then we do a bonus episode of your podcast, Michael, and we drop that just before each webinar answering those questions. So we will get to those. And we did have many people from our last drop, uh, reach out thanking us for getting to those questions. So yeah. I know you guys appreciate that and we're happy to do that for you. Michael, anything else you want to add to this in time for questions or do you want to hop out and get a break? That's it. I'm going to hop off my book of paper orchestra is coming soon guys. Uh, yeah, that's actually was a question, Michael. Someone wanted to know, uh, what do they want to know? how close are you to officially publishing your book? Oh, we're almost done. Um, we're just making, uh, we're just cleaning up the audio book. Because uh, QCing the audiobook, because it's going to be out as a you know paperback, hardcover, ebook, and audiobook, but the audiobook. And so we're looking at early February. And uh, if anyone wants to know when it's out, I think it'll be, it'll be uh, go to slash book and I'll notify you. And I think you'll enjoy many, I think you'll enjoy the stories. Um, it's interesting. They're, they're personal essays, so it's a cross between like David Sedaris and Neil Simon. Uh, but they're stories and stories that easily could be episodes of television. And I had a friend say, you know what, you should do a little bonus chapter at the end where you talk about the making of it, where I talk about how I found these stories to appeal to people like you who are writers with like, oh, that's how he wrote that story. So that's a bonus chapter I included. 
and we'll also there's a separate bonus on the audiobook similar uh but anyway so yeah go check out it's called a paper orchestra jobs i think we're looking at february 6th go to michaeljammon.com book if you'd like to be notified and you want to be a fan and support support my work as a writer uh, i'm going to bounce off and then phil's going to stay and answer any other questions and then i'll be jumping